As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's successful real estate professional as they share it with you. Let's go. A quick word from our sponsor, The Door Devil. Homeowners spend hundreds on alarm systems each year, but rarely reinforce the weakest point on the home, the doors. Bad guys know this, and that's why kick-ins are so common. Simply adding door devils virtually eliminates the home security gap. Sleep better tonight. Reinforce your doors. Visit doordevil.com and enter best ever to get an exclusive 20% discount on your purchase. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm with today's guest, Lisa Phillips. Hello, Lisa. Hello, Joe, and hello to everyone listening in the audience. I hope you get a lot of value out of this. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to speak with you. Uh, I know we we've talked before. And we've we've uh, had many conversations about real estate investing and your background in uh, very something really interesting in that you focus on homes that are thirty thousand dollars around that range or less. And yeah. I would love uh, to hear a little bit more, as I'm sure the best ever listeners would love to hear a little bit more about your background in that. And then we're going to get into, of course, the best real estate investing advice ever that you have. But first, let's talk about your background. Great. No, thank you for having me on, and uh, thank you, listeners, for tuning listeners for tuning in. Yeah, so 30k or less it sounds like crazy talk. At least when I was looking at real estate investing, everyone's advice against it. People who were really experienced just firm, no, not worth it, not at all. And so it wasn't the way I started investing, but it's the way I ended up investing. So the crazy talk actually turned out to be very profitable and cash flowing. You just had to be a little strategic. So I can start with my background that led me there. And so in 2006, I was a new uh, new graduate, just got my first job at a big four firm doing consulting work. Felt good, had a nice paycheck going in, more than my parents made. So I got a little arrogant and purchased some very expensive house out in Las Vegas. Mind you, 2006. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Long story short, I 
got laid off and I had, and I found a job in Ohio. So I went to Ohio, which is what you do when you need to find a new job. And when I was in Ohio, I got laid off again. So, uh, luck of the Irish, I guess. But so I went and, um, I had to foreclose on the house in Vegas. To be quite honest though, with that second, uh, job loss, I was sort of, I was okay with foreclosing. Not like I'm okay with defaulting and okay with like my credit being re- messed up for seven years. That's not okay. But I mean, the reality was is that I purchased a home for about $388,000 and it was worth 150, 150,000. Wow. Okay. So needless to say, I was like, Oh my goodness. This is such a bad mistake. Terrible, terrible. So so new, so when it came down to it, I was like, okay, I got to let it go. But like underneath it all, I'm like, Phew. but that wasn't easy because of that. My credit took a beating. Now, um, just anyone else going out through this, if you do have to foreclose because, you know, job loss or whatnot, I didn't stop paying on all my debts and going to foreclosure. So it wasn't like, oh, free for all. I kept paying on everything I could because I couldn't make the other payments. I just couldn't make the $2,500 payment for a house in Vegas that I don't even live in anymore, but I'm unemployed. But all the other lines of credit and other commitments financially, I definitely made. So I did that. So I took a beating on my credit and I had a hardship. So I knew in about three years I could start reinvesting again. And three years actually just passed. So right now I can technically get an FHA loan or um, second chance loans that are now coming available in the market for people who did have a foreclosure during that time. Congrats on that, by the way. Yeah. I mean, it was a long road, but, you know, if you keep your commitments to your other lines of credit and settle and close your account. So I had to settle on my second mortgage for that foreclosure. So it settled paid full on the credit report. And the first one's a foreclosed. But once you settle those up and you keep paying everything else, you are in better condition to get different lines of credit. But because of that, I knew if I wanted to do real estate investing, I could not rely on traditional lending. So when I was in Ohio, what was great about that is I came from Las Vegas, super overpriced, um, very expensive, West Coast type lifestyle. Um, and then I went to Ohio where a $30,000 house is actually in a good neighborhood. So, I, I, you know, that travel gave me an awareness that, you know, $30,000 homes aren't created equal. There's actually places where it's a nice, quaint neighborhood, well kept. Everyone does their front yard and porch, but you don't really know that unless you've traveled around around for whatever reason. And I finally got another job in DC. So I went out to DC for my next job. But I was determined at that point to invest in these homes. So the one thing I did mention is when um, I lost my second job, I had purchased a condo for $35,000 10 days before I lost the job. (laughs) I was out in Ohio, my second job loss. I had this other house and I just purchased this new condo. But because it was $35,000, like the mortgage was $350 and that included taxes. And what happened was for that six months that I was unemployed for that second time, new grad out of college right in 2009, you guys know those times were pretty um, economically turbulent. I had this property I owned, where which was great, you know. Uh, after a few, I spent the time with, you know, I was on employment, so I just sort of had enough. You know, it's only fifteen hundred a month, but like when your mortgage is three hundred and fifty dollars, it can make that work. I'm not saying it's easy. And then I'm single, so you know, I just really learned the value of if you own property. 
and you own it in a good neighborhood, but at such a low price, the threat of homelessness doesn't have to affect you. And mind you, this is my second job loss in 2009. So, I mean, things are really scary. I have this electrical engineering degree, and I keep getting laid off, you know, and, you know, a house is overpriced. People are losing jobs left and right, so it was scary. But owning that property at that price range meant I had options so many other people did not have, you know. All these people who went through this, you know, the Great Recession of 2000. Um, 8 to 2010 had a house, but the mortgage payments were only $300 or $400. It's amazing where they would have ended up versus on the streets like a lot of people did. I mean, you saw the news report. So I fixed it up. I learned some DIY skills. I had the time finally. The employment kept me alive and, and covered my basic needs. And so I learned, like, the value of that. Like, I will have a home regardless. I can come up with this amount of money to pay the mortgage to keep the light bill on. Just, you know, randomly, not even having a nine-to-five job. And so I really needed that sense of security. So I got another job out in D.C., and I rented out this other place. But I was so determined at that point, like, let's keep this going. Like, everyone's telling me, no, you can't get a house in that price range. But people are, ah, oh, and the houses are, ah, oh, and they're war zones. So I'm <laughs> listening, but I've seen something else. I'm like, okay, I'm done. I, I mean, I'm listening, but I'm going to do things for myself. You might be right, but I will not. I will not listen to your advice without going to see myself what the actual reality is. So I will not turn this down without seeing with my own eyes, with my own gut. And so when I get out to D.C., I look around, I'm like, where are there houses for $30,000? And I have this, like, online Google map search technique I use where I go in concentric circles. And I do radius searches until I find a huge area where there's, like, a ton of houses under $30,000. And I did that, and 35 miles outside of D.C. is Baltimore, Maryland. And I'm like, oh, there's thousands of houses. But, you know, you see the wire. You hear all this advice <laughs> about not going in these neighborhoods. So, you know, I'm not, like, from the hood. I'm from a poor working-class neighborhood, and that's my background, which, don't get me wrong, I love that. I had that grounding. But, like, that, I mean, I, that, that didn't, that's not, like, Caprini Green, Chicago, South Side Chicago. You know, it's it's... It's tame compared to what's really out there. So I wasn't like, oh, I'm not scared. You know, there's a little bit of nervousness. Right. But, you know, I went during the day. You know, <laughs> I have a real estate agent with me, and I always had the idea, like, if we go somewhere and it's really that bad, we can get up and leave. All right? We don't have to stop. But, you know, we'll feel it out. I will not turn this down. You know, so I look at you know, just realtor.com and I'm, and I'm looking at all these houses for 30,000. Then I find out that the rents are extremely high. You can buy a house for 15,000 in a neighborhood that gets $900 in rent. Talking 3% return, you know, the 3% rule each month. Wow. I'm going to go look for this. Yeah. You own your property within two to five years, depending on what price you get out and how much work it takes, especially with those type of returns. So, I started going up there, and I took about four weekends. I'd look at, like, six houses on each trip. I'd drive up to Baltimore at, like, 8 o'clock in the morning or 7 o'clock on a Saturday. I'd meet with my agent. We'd spend a few hours going through the few houses. Some, you know, one or two were in really sort of rougher neighborhoods, but not as bad as you would think. So you start to see each time I came back out, you're like, there's nothing really so bad I was scared. And so you start figuring out that a lot of people have a lot of 
fear, but it doesn't have to be that bad. And so I also have to mention that when I do these analysis and the search for houses, I don't just go to any house. I online, um, I use this my leverage analysis technique. Um, that's what I name it because it's very systematic way of looking at it. I go and I look at the price of the house, like everything under thirty thousand dollars, and then to hurry my search up and not to look at through so many duds, I did this thing where you know on Realtor.com you can arrange it by photo count. So the highest photo counts I tended about eighty nine percent of the time when you had a high photo count that meant the house was in better condition. When you have just one photo, it was in terrible condition. Interesting. So I just did this. Yeah, so I just did this because I noticed the correlation. It was really consistent, uh, nine times out of ten. And so so that sort of helped me do a faster search as I was getting these lists because I had a list of, you know, five to seven homes each Saturday for that those five weekends. And then I looked at the rents. Um, right now on rentometer.com or even Craigslist, for every address, you know, you can sort of put in the zip code or I like the address and go to rentometer because that's really accurate. Rentometer.com, I'd put in the address and boom, you know, you get very accurate rental data. I know it was accurate because I checked all the places I knew uh, where my friends, when I knew my friends were and I knew their addresses, I put that in, it was dead on. So I would go and so I'd get my list called from, hey, the number of photos that were available to, so I'm not going through duds, um, the price of the home, and then um, the last and final, and the rents that were received and the, other part that I searched out that was really important that is like the key to doing all of this is crime reports. So I went to Baltimore. Baltimore Police Department has an online crime watch on their police department website. You can actually go in there from realtor.com. You can copy and paste the address and then switch open the tab that has the Baltimore PD being um, a crime report website. And you could put the address in and see what kind of crime was there over the last six months. And then on top of that, there's spotcrime.com and there's crimereport.com. So a few years ago, everyone's telling you no, but I'm like, you know, it's not that bad. I'm looking through. I'm only picking the items that didn't have a lot of crime, like whatsoever, had high rents, were at a low price. I mean, when you look at it in general, that's just basically all you need for a good single family buy and hold. Low crime, high rents. And, you know, a good condition with high age. So yep. it's just these things weren't available 10 years ago. They didn't have, um, Baltimore didn't have their crime work statistics online. You know, D.C. didn't have that online. Rental meter wasn't available yet. I think that was built two years ago, but it's very accurate on compiling the rents for a two, three, or four bedroom. If you just put the address and they'll put everything around it, what the rents are going for there that they get from the Internet. So I, I just started, I call it leveraged analysis because I use what, I'm leveraging what, uh, what's there now. It wasn't there before. And I just went ahead and did that. So when I get a get list of five or seven houses, they're good houses in good neighborhoods at a very low price with high rent. So it isn't anything magical. It's not like a game or a gimmick. On my video blog, on my second or third videos, it was a, First things, yes, yeah, the first videos I'm showing, showing people how to do this. It's just, I think I'm just the first person to articulate, like, what's the problem solution? What's the solution to going into neighborhoods in this price range and not having tons of headaches and coming out on top versus all the people telling me that I'm going to lose my house and home, which and, hasn't happened yet. And what, one, one of the challenges that I know you probably hear a lot 
uh, is, well, I can't get financing on a house that's $30,000. So how have you uh, gotten financing on these properties? I would say you can't get financing from a bank, but you can easily get financing from a credit union, and there's other creative ways of doing it. So I don't like banks. I have like four episodes where I'm like, stay away from banks. They're such a waste of time. They have their place, but they have their place for people with a lot of money and a credit. But if you're mid-tier, if you have you know fair credit or good credit but not excellent, they're a little harder. If you have a house that needs to be completely renovated, they're not so keen to giving out money. And if you're in a lower price range, they're not even looking at you. But I have found credit unions and mortgage brokers are too is a good way where they don't have those limits. So I belong to like seven credit unions because if I qualify, I join them, even if I keep $5 in them. Because when I'm looking for new funding, I call each of them up and I find out what their loan programs are. And they're all so different. You know, sometimes this credit union is perfect for a deal. Sometimes that fifth credit union that I had $5 in is perfect for a deal where the other one, where the other credit union wouldn't take it. So with credit unions, I very rarely come into minimums. I think only one credit union had a $25,000 limit. But the other people were like, hey, if it's under that amount, we'd probably do a 10-year or a 15-year. You're not going to do a 30-year mortgage amortization. So first, banks are not your friend when it comes to these more um, non-standard creative types of investments where you want to make money, right? But two, what's that? I said I love that. Yeah, I use credit unions as well. Yeah. Oh, they're amazing, aren't they? They're completely amazing. Um, so if I find out like you have to be uh, a resident of this county to be a part of this credit union, I'll sign up. I'll put $5 or whatever their minimum is, and I am happy because I have one more more flexible financing institution uh, to tap into with usually a little bit more liberal standards because they're smaller and more and they're used to having customers of a certain demographic that bring in money, so they're a little bit more, a little bit more leeway in my mind. Um, other financing things, and I, and I talk about this because I didn't have access to regular lines of credit or a mortgage because of my foreclosure. I had to use different things. So for the first home, I used my 401k because at that moment in 2009, I'm like the stock market. I believe in my real estate investment. I do not. I'd rather have my money in my real estate investment that I control and I insure than the stock market. So I deleted my 401k. And FYI, that house is paid off and is paying for my second house. So I'm glad I did that. And uh, that was enough because the purchase price of that first Baltimore home was only $13,000. $13,559. It was a HUD home. Got it. And what's it rent for? Uh, right now, it's 900 a month. Wow. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Once you figure out the way to look at these... Um, these houses and figure out the right metrics. It's a hundred. It's very clear the path to making money. And well, the reason I started this blog is because I was because I know I was like the down and out person. The reason I started this blog is for people who don't have a friend in real estate who doesn't who don't have that person to lead them through it. Who doesn't have a ton of money, but they have some. They're stable. Like I, I want to make sure everyone has a chance to start real estate investing at an affordable price and not have to start with the A-class $250,000 neighborhood if that's not what they're comfortable with. So I wanted to share a way of doing this to feel very comfortable and confident and, you know, have more people have access to, you know, financial wealth building. 
I love that. Yeah, it's it's definitely a way that lowers the barrier to entry for for a lot for everyone, and in yeah. particular people who you know might not have the thirty, forty thousand dollars saved up, but they mm-hmm. do have uh, average credit where they can get mm-hmm. a loan from a credit mm-hmm. union at a right price and perhaps it's a fix a fixer upper so they're able to get in there and and make it a little prettier and then have it ready for a tenant and they're on their way and as you said earlier they won't ever be homeless because you can always live mm-hmm. in it if the Armageddon happens yeah and that means something you can't for maybe not everyone understands it but that means something to anyone who's been through this you know, that great recession and knows about the uncertainty going forward. You know, I look at my fiance every day and I'm like, I don't know how long I'll keep a job. Don't get me wrong. I do, you know, I do a good job. I am solid, but man, the job markets are, they come and go. My parents and his parents, they've been working the same job 35 years, 30 years. My parents are retired. His are about to retire. But in this day and age, I look around at my friends, and I'm like, unless it's like a government job, not many of us have been at the same place right. for years and years because yep. of the variability in the market. So, like, there's no long-term longevity, so it means a ton. And, like, you, and you hit the nail on the head. I was like, if I ever needed to, I could go move into that house yep. if I ever needed to. So, so, so with with this security that you have, and you know, with the experience that you have buying homes around thirty thousand or less, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? For anyone getting started in real estate, I would tell you to just start, and when you do it, if you're listening, get as much knowledge as you can when you're starting real estate investing. And listen to all the different opinions. But when it comes down to it, you just have to get out and try. And if what you want to do in real estate investing isn't necessarily, um, if you have people going against your investment strategy like they were against mine, like, no, I would never go in any neighborhood that was that low price. It's okay to understand where their, their concerns come from fear, but it's also okay for you to trust in yourself. Go and see it for yourself and don't X out this, strategy that is not only easier financially to get started in real estate with, but it's very lucrative. So don't let, don't always let other people's vision of what you should be doing in real estate shape how you do it. Let your own vision shape you and you figure out the path to get you there. And that might be different price points, but you know, at least you're doing what makes you feel comfortable at your level because I get so many new investors and they're trying to do something, but the only thing that they're hearing from um, not even gurus, just other people are like, no, don't go. If it costs less than this, I wouldn't touch it. And here, at least you have it. And in 20 years, it, it, it'll it be worth a lot and it'll appreciate. And it's like, I have to wait 20 years for appreciation where it doesn't cash flow now. So if, you, if you're hearing a, a lot of advice that just doesn't jar or the, or the money doesn't make sense, you know, go with your gut and listen to yourself, not what other people are telling you to do in real estate investing. Because you know best what exactly what you need. And that's one of the, the best advice I can really give. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting hearing hearing people talk about you know, what they're what they're really interested in, you know, what they're passionate about. Because if they can find what aspect of real estate that mm-hmm. d- directly ties into their passion and their interests, then the white noise of 
the doubters and, as you mentioned at the very beginning, the crazy talk about not being able to buy a property at 30000 that all goes away because this, this might fit in a wheelhouse of someone who is very passionate about you know, giving you affordable housing for for you, you know low income uh, people, mm -hmm. and yep. yeah, I I love bringing up that, the standards. Yeah, bringing up the standards of the properties around there. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. So th that's great. Um, you know, with with the with the the advice of you know don't let her, let other people shape your vision, shape your own vision. Um, yes. When when you were first starting out uh, was that a challenge that you had where you had a lot of people telling you hey this isn't yeah. the right approach what are you talking about yep. I, I'm, I'm most interested yes. in in the financing part I keep going back to the finance because to me okay. the, the numbers are numbers and that makes a lot of sense you how you mm -hmm. described how you uh, analyze your properties. You mentioned that you look at the price of the house. You look mm -hmm. at the rents. You look at how much does it cost to right. You look at how much does it cost to uh, fix up, and you de determine that at least uh, on the internet through the number of photos. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. Those are the three same ways that I do that as well. I and mean, those really, right. I, I love that really. Uh, simplified, straightforward approach. I don't necessarily, although I uh, do look at it, I don't put as much focus on the crime reports. Perhaps I should, but I, you know, I buy in areas uh, a little bit different than the ones you described. Exactly. Uh, but as far as the financing goes, that's the one aspect that um, yeah, I find really interesting. So on, just very, really specifically, on your very first property that was, you know, the thirty thousand. Uh, what type of – how did you come across the financing that you got? Okay, no problem. Um, that one, I paid cash for the property. But then when it came time to – so it's a little different. And I'll go through uh, the, the few houses I purchased and how I made it happen. So the first one was cash my 401K and my savings. And then the renovation was about 25000 And that was – or 20000 And that was half cash, half lines of credit. So half the cash came from like a tax refund that I happened to got, get around that time. And the other half of the cash was, um, I mean, the other part of getting it renovated was getting lines of credit. So, you know, Home Depot came in and did a full house carpeting for $200 and you can get it for two years free financing. And I got the basement water leak done because Value Dry, the small subcontracting company, had financing and they're like, well, if you get it with us, you get six months free financing. And so that's basically the financing of the first one. And then the second home I purchased, I actually used, I, I refinanced my car. So I have a Honda Civic, which has excellent resale value, I tell people, at Toyota's. Um, you know, it was paid off, but it still had equity, according to Kelly Blue Book, about 10, um, 10500 and even though this was like 2011. So I went out to a credit union, and I refinanced my car. And so they gave me, at first, that was coming close to when I had just gotten over a foreclosure. So I was a 14% interest rate on that amount. Um, that's high, but I did have a solid job. Like I said, I don't have a ton of kids and overhead responsibilities. I'm really good with credit. 
so I can handle those higher payments and so the house started paying for itself. Um, and then I later refinanced that about six months later at another credit union. And so that 14% became 4.5% 4. because car loans are usually easier to get even if you have credit blemishes. Um, I think the statistic is 80% of Americans drive. Because of that, you know, 80% of Americans have everything from super poor credit to super high. Uh, they have really well-established ways of getting you um, financing in a car or refinancing your car uh, for all credit levels. So that was a really good one. And I've used that one twice. So, you know, I, I got the loan, paid it off within a couple of years through the house, and then I got a loan again. <laughs> interesting. Really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So these prices, so yeah, these prices, $11,000, $10,000, $9,000 is significant towards either the renovation or the purchase price, right? But they're easier to get. And so like, I'm, I, you know, my credit's better now. I'm like over 700, but all this I had to keep in mind, what's easy to get, you know, what can I get? Because people will tell, do tell me no. Um, and so Home Depot and Lowe's cars are easier to get. I'm not saying everyone gets it, but it, I like to say it's like a Target card. If you just shop at Target, usually you can get a Target card. Like, they're not that discerning. If you're, like, a new person trying to establish credit, go get a store card. Those are usually just a little bit more open to to handling out credit. I don't know the dynamics exactly. Maybe it's because they uh, have serviced so many different wide variety of people. They've learned to deal with people with all credit and still give them some sort of access to their credit line. So, you know, that was part of my strategy. And then, like, another house I bought in Richmond, that one I actually went and got a personal loan. Personal loans at 9% over five years. It's a little high, but the um, uh, the payments each month are 630 if I don't pay it off early. But that's covered by the rent. So my cash flow isn't as much, but the house is in better condition, um, completely renovated, and, you know, in five years, I'll completely own it. You know, so the cash flow in five years will be you know, 100% or, you know, $630 more than it is now. But, you know, I can, the house pays for that and I'm not paying out of pocket for anything right now. So sometimes there are different analyses you have to take. Like, is it worth paying the higher premium for a five-year um, personal loan? But, you know, there's personal loans that go six years or seven years and you can probably get a better rate than 9% because this was, you know, a year and a half ago. Um, versus my credit now, you know, what would it be now? You know, probably a couple percentage points lower. So there's things to take into account, and don't. And I do. I have on my on my video blog. I do go into details, like, hey, you know, if you're making a decent salary, but have average credit, well, then maybe you can float this because you have enough leeway and cash flow each month from your just your paycheck to if anything happens. But, you know, if you're like really struggling and you have bad credit and you don't make any money, don't do this because there's a reason you don't have money. Because that's a bad that's a bad investment decision. But sometimes you can't handle it until your your property pays for itself. Yeah. One of the I actually use one of those uh, tactics uh, I got a personal line of credit, so instead of a loan, a line of credit mm -hmm. at seven percent. Okay. At seven percent, and I used that mm -hmm. to buy a property uh, a couple years ago for cash mm -hmm. that I I uh, probably couldn't have financed in in other ways. So right. I lo love those creative right. ways. All right, let's dive into the best ever lightning round. You ready? I'm ready, Joe. All right, best ever book you've read. You guys probably heard this. I'm going to go Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I'll tell you why. 
I didn't know I felt like a poor person. I thought, I thought just, I thought I knew all the rules. Reading that book let me know, no, Lisa, there's a whole other set of rules. And you have to open your eyes to even know that those set of rules have exist, exist. But ever since then, I've been investing in real estate. I'm doing the Airbnb thing. I'm starting my video blog business. Everything is, once I open my eyes to that, that other world, my life has just really taken off with like the sky's the limit on where you can go with your personal, you know, financial success. And, and that's why I love it. Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. He is a role model of mine. Best ever deal that you've done? Hmm, I have to say the HUD home I bought for $13,000. Now rent it for 900 Yeah, <laughs> I want that deal too. <laughs> that's... I mean, I did put about 20000 in renovations for um, big ticket items, you know, a roof. Uh, HVAC, I mean, it was 4000 here, 4000 there. So it went up 20000 for those big um, investments. But, man, it's still making money, and it paid off all the investments I paid for it. And now it's paying off my other house in Richmond. So Absolutely. Best success habit that you practice? My, my best success is just having a vision every day. Have a vision of where you're going. Have a goal. That's it. Like, from there, I start filling it in. But just, you know, picture every day where you want to go with any of this and why it's important. And once you get to the vision, you'll automatically start working on making it a reality. Best ever internet resource for real estate? Google Maps. <laughs> so I find these spots. Best ever quote? Fear is the enemy of action. Ooh, who said that? I don't know. But it's amazing. I heard it when I was very young, like uh, 12 or 13. But I realized there were, you know, I do stop myself because I'm scared. But when you just say that quote to yourself and you do it anyways, yeah, yeah, things don't always turn out right. But you really get over the fear of not doing it. And you get more consistent every single time. Okay. I'll remember that one. What's the best ever place to reach you? <laughs> The best ever place to reach Lisa Phillips is on my video blog. So everyone, if you want to see hours of content and just want to get another view, um, come to www.affordablerealestateinvestments.com or youtube.com slash affordable, R-E-I-A-S-F-O-R-D-A-B-L-E-R-E-I, Affordable Real Estate Investments. It's the acronym. And... Come on down. It's, I just want to help people and show people a different way. Everyone says you can't do it. I say, I say you can. I'll show you how. And if you want to go from there and reach out to me for help, I'm more than happy because I think when everyone has financial success at all income levels, I think this whole country grows as a whole. And honestly, my goal is to have a whole bunch of middle-class people making decent wages. Not You're not rich, but you're making decent. Start wealth building because I, I think that will make – with everyone a little bit calmer and happier and secure in life, which will pay itself forward. Thank you. And, and thank you, best ever listeners, for listening. And uh, Lisa, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. Bye, bye. Joe. Hey, you, best ever listener. Do you want more? Then head to joefairless.com, where there are tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And if you want Joe to personally help you reach your goals, then go to the Work With Joe tab on joefairless.com and apply to, well, Work With Joe.